I'm Alejandro Melian. I'm Daniel Chio Castillo. And I'm Megan Miguel. Welcome to Talking Culture. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the traditional territory of the Ganyan Cahaga on the land known as Chiochiagi. We recognize the Ganyan Cahaga as the rightful stewards of this land. Happy New Year! I'm so happy to happy see you New both. Happy New Year! <laughs> I know it's so good. <laughs> it's so um, it's so awesome to have all three of us virtually back together again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year! <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year! Do you guys have a good good break? Were you able to rest at all? No. Yeah. I... <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, Megan. You should go first. Uh, I mean, yes, I, I guess I did. I was able to spend time with family and, and things, but I've also been frantically trying to finish my coursework. My last paper of my PhD for my coursework, so... Congratulations, that's really exciting. Thanks. It is exciting. I just want it now to be the part where I get to celebrate that, <laughs> you know? Totally. <laughs> Instead of yeah. editing this paper for the millionth time, but... um. What about you guys? Did you guys get to have a, a break over the holidays? I actually did have the chance to go back to Mexico for the first time in about three years. So that was very exciting. Um, yeah, I finally got to see my family. But now I'm quarantining for two weeks. So <laughs> <laughs> such is the life. And you? Yeah, I... Uh... Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Um, it kind of feels weird because it wasn't the you know, the schedule I was used to, like getting, being done with classes and then going home for the holidays and then going back. Cause since I've been in the field, I just sort of ended up back in Connecticut for Christmas with my family. And the strange, I was supposed to go to Montreal before going home for the holidays, but because I was in Botswana, I wasn't allowed into Canada. Um, mm. Towards the end of in December, so that wow. you know it's been field working COVID definitely not simple, but it's been good, <laughs> and I have I have had a good holiday, and I'm really looking forward to getting back into the field work. But yes, let let's get started. I'm really excited about this in the news episode because if you remember, we decided to start the new year uh, with a, an episode of all three of us together again, which feels really good. And we had decided to bring some good news to shake up our topics a little bit and change our focus um, since a lot of our in the news episodes end up talking about very serious topics. But Megan, do you want to start? Sure. So as I was saying to you guys before we started recording, this is probably like a little bit boring, but I thought it was exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's also not super recent because, you know, when you start looking for good news, um, unfortunately, our news cycles are not super focused on good news. So um, I decided to look for like anything from 2021. That was good news. And so the thing that I pulled was that... In the EU and also starting in the US, they've been passing legislation um, about the right to repair um, 
electronics and um, different types of appliances and things, um, which again, it's kind of nerdy, but <laughs> I got really excited about it um, because it means that it will like force manufacturer manufacturers to make kind of more sustainable products that will last longer um, and allow people to be able to repair things that um, instead of throwing them out right away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. <laughs> especially since I feel like I've been bringing a lot of like climate change things, when I saw this, I got really excited because um, it uh, actually felt like a, a concrete kind of step forward. And of course, there's like issues and loopholes still, um, but they just passed a new um, a new kind of amendment to it in at the end of November that um, is adding in kind of more more layers to these policies um, in the EU. And yeah, even Apple has started to bend to this a little bit and has pro- is pro- going to provide parts and tools for some of their products to be able for people to be able to make repairs, which I think is huge. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> I mean, honestly, right now, like, our, literally all of these products are designed to to be thrown away. It's, you know, planned obsolescence is one of the things that makes me my most angry. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's no, not even pretending the system itself is, is all disposable, just like longer terms of disposable. But so this is really, really good news, <laughs> truly. Yeah, I mean, as like a someone who has had several iPhones after, you know, keeping my BlackBerry for like <laughs> so many years. Yeah, um, I know it's crazy. It's um, it's kind of nice to hear that, and exciting to hear that that might be shifting even a little bit. Yeah, I wonder if the software will be like included in that you know because i like at some point you just your phones and your computers can't run the soft the newest software so i want i wonder if that is like a real thing or if we're like a fake apple thing you know is it that the computers mm-hmm. physically can't do it or that apple won't let them so i wonder how that will will be involved in that yeah i didn't like um i didn't find a ton of like super in-depth articles about this i think because mm-hmm. it's like pretty new in terms of like Mm -hmm. how it's going to be applied but software was I think part of um either this newest one or what was planned going forward um to help make this actually useful I guess (laughs) because if they just phase it out with software for a lot of these products that would kind of like make this a a moot point a bit but um I do believe that's part of part of the plans yeah that's pretty cool I mean one thing that I noticed when I was in Mexico is that actually we're getting into a phase of inflation, of very high inflation over there. And so this kind of thing actually is very helpful because the secondhand market gets revitalized and people start exchanging things because there is a chance that things can be repaired. You know, like already mm-hmm. the secondhand market is a very good strategy, f- not only for you know, economizing, but also in terms of climate change is a way of reducing waste. So yeah, that's, that's really good news. Thanks for sharing, Megan. Yeah, yeah thanks, Megan. No worries. Maybe about... it wasn't as boring as I thought. <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Daniel, you want to go next? Sure. Mine is more local in some way, but I thought it was very interesting and exciting. There was a recent graduate from York University, and it's a woman who is 87 years old, who graduated oh. from a master's in political science. <laughs> Her name is Bharata Shanmuganathan, and she's the oldest person to graduate with a master's degree from York University. It's just very cool. Over her lifespan, she's experienced a lot of things from uh, the destruction of the Second World War and was even in India during Mahatma Gandhi's nonviolent resistance movement. So it's amazing that someone with all this experience is able also to share it through thesis and her research project is actually on the causes of civil war, peace processes and the prospect of peace in Sri Lanka, which is also a fascinating topic. So yeah, it was it was it was a very nice piece of news to find amid all the grim other things that were in the same page. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean that's amazing. Like I it's amazing for her, amazing for the university, but also amazing that her cohort or the other students in her program got to share that with her and got to I'm sure that there's just so much that they were able to learn from having her involved in their classes and in that in that program you know like as you're t- talking about all the life experience she had and how much depth and how many more layers of experience it adds to class discussions and everything is so invaluable yeah and I hope that like um that others who may be like I know I felt like I was too old a little bit for grad school and I'm 34 <laughs> so I hope that like other people can see her and and think you know like yeah I could do that I could do that too you know because I think those perspectives are so valuable um so that's super exciting that's very cool uh Alejandra so would you like to share your piece of news sure so my news is some science related good news um when I decided to do this one, I kind of laughed at myself because I feel like sometimes I have a bit of an aversion to paleontology because <laughs> people too. get it. Yeah. Because <laughs> people get it in archaeology. And then, like, even sometimes anthropology, like cultural anthropology, confused. And they're like, oh, you study dinosaurs. Like, no, couldn't be. No, I really don't. Truth, but yeah. <laughs> I really, really don't. So I tend sometimes I'm just like, no, no, stay away from me with all of that. Like I don't even <laughs> want to like talk about it. But I mean, like the truth is that dinosaurs are so cool, and paleontology is amazing. <laughs> not what not what we do, but very, but very exciting and interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so this one is about dinosaurs. Um, last week. A 70 million year old fossil of an egg was discovered that, um, yeah, that had preserved the skeleton of, I'm going to try to pronounce this, um, Ovaraptorid dinosaur embryo. Uh, so it's the most complete embryo fossil ever discovered. And so what's so interesting about it and why I've brought it to talk about today is like what it tells us about how dinosaurs developed. The article that I am basing this off of talks about how researchers are now seeing the development of birds and of dinosaurs is very much alike. Um, They were considered separate and different before, but just based on how they've been able to see that the embryo could like move around um, in an egg and like how it can change position in the egg, it seems that the way that dinosaurs live inside their egg before they hatch and the way that birds do is like pretty much exactly the same so what i find so interesting is that like 
perhaps part of the answer to the big question of like what happened to the dinosaurs is that well they became the birds that we know today you know like they were also just part of evolution um and i wonder like if this changes the cultural imagination about the era of the dinosaurs or like how we understand that part of the earth's history you know and i just really love thinking that thinking about how like one discovery like this can change the way that we think about nature and like the entire way that we imagine natural history you know i mean yeah not to want to put the anthropological spice on everything that we talk about no, but... do it. that's why we do this yeah <laughs> <laughs> what you bring up is exactly what my mind also goes to which is like this the imagination we have at the past also says a lot about our imagination in the present of ourselves too right And totally. there's this whole media machine that has produced these images of dinosaurs as reptiles, but if they're closer to birds, then how is that going to change our view of nature and of ourselves in some sense? So I think it's very exciting too. No, totally. And I feel like we like we think, okay, like it was the era of the dinosaurs and now it's the era of the humans, you know, of the mammals. And if... I don't know if there is this like through line, this more direct connection between that era and ours, then I feel like just the way, I don't know, it, it feels a little bit less separate from where we are right now. I think some of these like conceptualizations of like eras and time periods make these things feel like it was such a hard line, you know, like... And I know that's how we kind of conceptualize dinosaurs in media as well. Like, you know, like one day they kind of disappeared. And then after that, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and like in practice and, you know, in reality, these things don't usually happen that way. Um, so um, moments like this, I think, really challenge that kind of idea of these hard and fast kind of like eras or um different ways that we categorize the past and uh yeah that's really exciting yeah look at look at us all new paleontologists <laughs> <laughs> for once for once they can say they they were paleontologists <laughs> um, but yeah but it is i don't know yeah i think you're totally right megan like it is super exciting and i think that you know from your perspective as an archaeologist like i think that it is interesting to think about the lines that we put between eras and generations and like what makes one thing one time and not another time and how those things can be different right like how we what we use and why like as danielle was saying how the present impacts that because like yeah someone else could look at the same body of evidence and categorize it differently, which I always find really fascinating. I was going to say that I just want to see a Jurassic world with, you know, T-Rex that look like chickens. <laughs> Amazing. There is a book that it's supposed to be imagining dinosaurs with like feathers. The way that we create dinosaurs, like if we took the skeletons of animals that we know and then use the same method to like make recreations of them, they would look totally different. Because mm. like we're not including any of the soft material in our representations of them, so yeah, they probably had feathers. They probably had like, you know, trunks and like things that aren't preserved, that aren't able to be fossilized. All right. 
Yeah. So we, we did good. it. Well, we did it. And honestly, those three things really did put me in a, in a good mood. Like, I really, I hope that, yeah, I hope that that is true for listeners as well. Yeah, I was feeling like pretty tired coming into this recording, but I actually feel like kind yeah. of revitalized by that. So I, Same. <laughs> I'm glad we decided. Thank you for the idea, Alejandra. Oh, yeah, no I'm worries. I'm glad we did no that. That's it for this week. This episode was produced by me, Daniel Chu Castillo. Music by Justin Cover. Cover art by Sofia Melian. You can find a link to the sources cited in this episode in our show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and come talk culture with us on Twitter at TalkCulturePod or Instagram at TalkCulturePodcast. And check out our website, TalkingCulture.ca, to pitch an idea or to hear more from the McGill Anthro community.